And I was so driven and so competitive and I wanted to be good and I wanted to win. But what I realized is in the process, I was a terrible teammate. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast, where, as you know, we're deeply passionate about helping you become a leader that people love to follow. Today, we have a guest interview, and I'm really, really excited for you to hear this interview. If you're a sports fan, you may know him as the Heisman Trophy winner, two-time national champion football player, pro baseball player, and sports commentator. If you're not a sports fan, you may know him as a speaker, a New York Times bestselling author, and the founder of the Tim Tebow Foundation. If that didn't give it away, today I am interviewing my good friend Tim Tebow, and it's going to inspire you, bless you, and equip you with great leadership thoughts. He has a new book out called Mission Possible, Go Create a Life, that counts. Let me promise you, you're going to want to get the leader guide. If you're not getting the leader guide, you need the leader guide. It's full of Tim's best insights and application questions. You'll want to go over this with your team. I promise there's valuable content in it for you in each episode. Just go to life.church slash leadership podcast. Let us know that you like the leader guide and we're happy to send it to you. Get ready to take some good notes and get ready to be fired up. Today, I'm honored to welcome my guest, Tim Tebow. Well, Tim, welcome aboard, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is my first time here and first time really getting to sit down and hang. We've crossed paths a lot of different times and just have so much respect for you. Well, and same. You I, I've uh, looked up to you for years and years in your leadership. And so to have you share your leadership wisdom with our community means the world. Oh, thank you. It's an honor to be here. I, I want to dive in and ask you some questions, maybe some you haven't been asked before. I love it. But Come on. Let's, uh, I want to start with, you've got tremendous influence and you're a world-class leader. Was there a time when you were growing up and like maybe the first time you recognized that you could actually influence people in a direction? When was the first time that you recognized maybe or maybe even a hindsight that you had the ability to lead? Yeah, I, I would actually say it's going to sound kind of silly. I think it was my first ever t-ball game. There you go. And we just moved back from the, the Philippines and I didn't get to go to any of the practices, but I show up for the first game and I have number 35, just like my favorite player, Frank Thomas. Yeah. And I show up to this game and I think this thing's the freaking World Series. You know, we're so competitive. My whole family's so competitive. So I show up to this first game. Before we take the field, our coach, Coach Langley, he comes up to um, all of the, the team and he huddles us together and he says, okay, guys, now it doesn't matter whether you win or lose. It's only about having fun. And this is literally like my first few days in America. And I was like, is this what America is about? Because this sucks. You know, like this is awful. And I yank on his shirt and I say, no, coach, you're wrong. It's only about winning. That's when you have fun. And so he tells all the rest of the kids to go to their position. And he says, you wait right here. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm in trouble in my first game, you know? And he walks over to the fans and the and the stands, but fans, there's seven parents, you know? And he says, Mr. Tebow, you come down here. And I'm like trying to listen. What is he saying? And he's like, uh, Mr. Tebow, I think we have a problem with your son. And my wow. dad's like, uh, what, Coach, what's the problem? And he says, uh, he's overly competitive. Hmm. So my dad's like, okay, let me go talk to him. So my dad comes walking around the, the first base dugout, and I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm literally about to get a spanking. You know, like my dad's that dad that I would get a spanking in front of my entire team, maybe mortified for life. And my dad comes walking around. My dad's a pretty big, intimidating-looking guy with a stern look on his face, and he walks over to me. He leans over, and he looks me in the eye. He says, Timmy, 
it's okay. He just doesn't understand. Wow. And, 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 it was so like encouraging to me, and uh, that first of all, I wasn't going to get a spanking. And that first inning, I played first base, and I remember the other team, they're hitting the ball all over the park. And I looked to the outfield, and all three of our outfielders are huddled together looking for four-leaf clovers. And I'm mortified. And the, snow, and the second baseman's like, what color snow cone do you want? I'm like, what's wrong with you? Pay attention. And... So then the next inning, they found out I was kind of athletic. So the next inning, they moved me to pitcher. You're just in a little circle thing. And wherever the ball was hit, I was like, okay, got to do whatever you got to do. Win. I'll run and go get it and tag the guy before he got to first. And um, so we run over the sidelines and, you know, I'm all pumped and, and ready to go. And Coach Langley's like, Timmy, good job, but you have to throw the ball to first. I said, why? The kid can't catch, you know? And, and I was so driven and so competitive and I wanted to be good. And I wanted to win, but what I realized is in the process, I was a terrible teammate. Hmm. And that was the, the last thing we did on that Saturday afternoon. And the first thing we did the next day on Sunday was go to church. Wow. And I wanted to tell everybody for some reason how I did in the game. I had this many hits, this many home runs. And my parents instilled a rule for me and all my siblings, but really for me, that before we were allowed to play in any games, we would have to memorize the scripture verse on humility because they were so mortified with how I acted the first game. (laughs) And I realized that game, not necessarily through my actions, but also my parents pointing it out to me, Mm -hmm. as you have the chance to influence your teammates. And you did. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't for the better. Interesting. And... Instead of building them up, instead of lifting them up, you put pressure on them in not a good way hmm. because they're not as naturally gifted as you, Timmy. Mm-hmm. You have four older siblings and you compete every day. This is the first time they've ever played. And it was so eye-opening to me. And my dad would sit me down <clears throat> over and over and over again when I was young, four, five, six years of age. And you know, he'd tell me my birth story, how I was a miracle baby in the womb that, you know, God spared me when they didn't think I would survive mm. and the placenta wasn't attached. And he would say, God spared you for a reason and he's given you gifts. And you know what? Brett Favre could go and share in any high school that he wanted to. Right. One day, I think you'll have that same chance. Mm. But will you? Will you use that opportunity and that platform for good mm-hmm. or for yourself? Yep. And he would literally tell me that at the, when I was four, about to turn five that summer, and he would tell me that over and over again. And it really did have an impact on my life because I realized that influence isn't just for the positive and leadership mm-hmm. isn't just positive. Right. And it is just as easy, if not easier, to lead in a negative way, mm-hmm. to be a gossiper, to be a tattletale, to be a egomaniac, to be arrogant, to be all those things before it is to lead in a humble manner, before it is to lead in an upright way, before it is to lead guys to actually rally them together. Mm-hmm. And so I'd actually say that I learned early on from doing it wrong before I ever came close to possibly doing it right. So there's three things I love about that. The first thing is, number one, you're recognizing at the age of four that you can make a difference. Maybe five. I think, I think, I don't know if I would recognize it if my parents didn't point it out so clearly. Yeah, okay. But you, but you look back now and recognize yes. you had influence at, you know, yeah. before you're yes. in first grade. Yes. 
And I try to tell people a lot of times, sometimes people say, well, I don't listen to your leadership podcast. I don't, I'm not a leader. And I, I want to say, no, remember, what is leadership? Leadership is influence. That's exactly right. And everyone has influence. That's right. So you should see yourself as that. First thing I love. Second thing is, uh, this is kind of embarrassing, but I think this is the first time on our podcast that we have talked that directly about not only, do, I, I always assume we lead toward the positive, but there are probably more leaders that lead toward a toxic culture mm -hmm. or tear people down. We know that, but you recognize early on your first leadership lesson was, uh, secondly, that that you can use it for good or, or, or not good. That's right. And the third thing I love is that there was a seed planted in you uh, from a very early age, recognizing that that could grow into massive influence. I think that's one of the greatest gifts that we can give our children mm -hmm. is to recognize that no matter what age, that 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 seed of leadership can become. I mean, you you were thinking about influencing people like Brett Favre before you realized you could hit the ball past the shortstop. That's right. And and I, I love that. Uh, as we're sitting here, you're also the most in shape person we've ever had. I, on the we did, we, we have a I don't, trophy I think I in the background. I to you. Like, so let's be hey, honest. Hey, get the trophy ready for the best shape for the Craig Rose Solution podcast. You're you're. Um, incredibly disciplined person. People sometimes will tell me, they say, hey, you're disciplined. I'm like, actually, I'm not. I have to choose discipline. Mm -hmm. What's your theory? Are you more naturally disciplined or is it something you have to work out? I think I'm naturally driven. I had to learn to be more disciplined. Mm -hmm. And I actually would say I'm not necessarily a huge believer in being disciplined for the sake of being disciplined yes. or being a hard worker for the sake of hard work. Mm -hmm. And I think we make such a mistake in coaching our kids. Hey, be a hard worker. Mm -hmm. Hey, be disciplined. Mm -hmm. I think we miss the mark. No one gets inspired when you say be disciplined. Mm -hmm. When you say be a hard worker, mm -hmm. they get inspired when you paint a picture mm -hmm. of what it looks like if you do this, mm -hmm. right? I paint a picture. It would be like having a running back that I would play with and say, hey, I believe that you have a chance to be one of the best running backs in the country. Mm -hmm. I believe there's a chance. You carry the rock in the, in the game-winning play in a national championship and the confetti comes down on you if you go to work, mm -hmm. if you dedicate yourself, if you pursue this. And so you paint a vision mm -hmm. and then you say, with hard work, with discipline, with determination, all of these things, now you get there. The end goal is not to be disciplined. Right. The end goal is not to be a hard worker. Mm -hmm. The end goal is, you know, whatever that vision, that dream, that picture that you're trying to paint, whatever it is, you know, as a football player, basketball player, your occupation in school, whatever it is, whatever that end goal, that vision, that dream that you have, now we're going to learn to be disciplined and be a hard worker and be determined and set the mindset because the end Mm -hmm. means so much that, yeah, I care so much for that end goal. I'll be disciplined. Yeah. I'll be a hard worker. So coach me through, let's say that I have an end goal that I want to accomplish. How do I determine the discipline that brings about that goal? You what does the process look like? You, first of all, I think it's so important that you pick one that is worthy. Mm -hmm. You pick one that is worthy of working hard. If you have a small goal, if you have a small dream, and if you don't really think you can accomplish it, then dang, when I'm sore, it is really hard to wake up at five. Mm -hmm. Why would I do it? Mm -hmm. Even if I get there, it's not really worth it. Mm -hmm. Even if I get there, it's not, it's not that great. But if the end goal means so much to you, mm -hmm. if you really believe you can achieve it, if you really believe that that this is something that is worth blood, sweat, and tears, and we throw those three together all the time, you know, I put in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Did you really? Yeah. Like, is the end goal really worth it, mm -hmm. right? And I think one of the things about building a team is when the team, 
all the team believes in that end goal. And this isn't just on a football team, on a baseball team, basketball team. This could be any form of a job. This mm-hmm. could be in a university. When everybody believes the end goal is worth it, and you all say, it's we're all willing because we believe that it's worthy of all of us to go after, mm-hmm. to give up sometimes even individual goals, sometimes individual wants, sometimes even individual hangouts. Well, I could go hang out by myself, but it's worth it to build the camaraderie of the team because you know what? I know the end goal. So for those of you that are listening right now, you're missing the body language, the emotion, what I'm seeing. When I look into this guy's eyes, like, dang, I want to be, <laughs> I want the end goal. I wish you could see, I wish you could see. I would love to hear kind of your like holistic approach to like, what's the win for you? So for example, you're, you have a good marriage and you have good influence. You've got, you have integrity. You're building a great team. You've got your, your light, you're a witness, you're a physical specimen of what I would call a good stewardship of the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's got to be two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine wins in your mind that you're shooting for. Mm-hmm. Help me understand what are a few of the wins and what's the pathway to the wins. And what, what I'm trying to do is I want someone else out there to hear one, interpret it into their own win and find a path to it because there's a lot of people that aren't where they want to be Help us get there. What do you, what do you the, think about? The, the number one win, or maybe what I encourage people to, to think about, is not every one of us has a chance to be the best. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just the truth. When you, I hear people say it all the time, you know, if, if you believe you can be the best, you can go do it. No, it's not true. Listen, I, I know a lot of people that could never beat LeBron James one-on-one in basketball. Right. But every single one of us has a chance to be our best. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a worthy end goal. With my life, with my opportunities, with what God has given me, I only have one chance. Mm-hmm. I only have one life. I only have one body. I only have one opportunity. And so I want to make the most of that. And I also believe that's part of stewardship mm-hmm. is taking every single one of those and trying to maximize it, maximize it for his glory and maximize it to be able to make a difference in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And in every area, it shouldn't just be in one area. It should be in every area of our lives that we're choosing to say, okay, there's good, better, and there's best. Mm-hmm. And you know, as a foundation team, we make decisions like that every day. We'll say, hey, this is good, but is anything better? Yeah. And this is better, but is there anything else that's best, mm-hmm. right? And, and I don't want to be someone that just looks at, oh, that's good, mm-hmm. because it's easy. There are a lot of things that are good. Mm-hmm. But then I would challenge you, if you're thinking or you're watching this right now, mm-hmm. you're thinking about that thing right now in their head. Is there anything else you could say that's better for me mm-hmm. to do? And then maybe you'll have the realization of one day, hey, that is best mm-hmm. for your life. And that's hard to get to that place. But in decision-making, that's how I try to make the decisions of, of the choices I want to go after the worthy end game, Mm -hmm. and then trying to maximize that in every area of our life. Because ultimately, I think when we just live in a state of comparison with other people, oh, he's so much better than I am, Mm -hmm. right? Well, we get so discouraged from that. Mm -hmm. But when we live in the mindset of, with what I have been given, with what I have, I have a chance every day to wake up and be my best. Mm -hmm. I don't have to necessarily compare myself to everybody else and say, but they have this, they have that. They, yes, what did God give you? Right. How has he equipped you? Mm-hmm. Why has he put you here? And when you understand that, I don't have to live in a form of comparison. Mm-hmm. But you know what we do? Unfortunately, 12% of our daily thoughts are spent in some form of comparison. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's staggering. And it's also stifling mm-hmm. to our pursuit in trying to be our best. Mm -hmm. I can't be my best when I'm worried about, well, I don't have what he has. I don't look like she does. Well, I I wish I had this figure. I wish I had this. 
What did God give you? Mm-hmm. Make the most of it. Good. Take every single one of those areas and let's maximize it. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. We're going to fail. We're going to fall short in every one of those areas. But when that's our mindset and our heart posture, mm-hmm. I think we have so much more of a chance to be successful. I'm going to give you a long lead-in question. I'm going somewhere. Um, physically, what you've accomplished in sports, and then just like taking care of yourself is is hats off, impressive. I'm going to guess what goes into that, and it's going to be a long list, and I may guess close, and you can tell me close or not. And then what I want to do is I want to talk about um, developing your leadership gifts, okay. and then I want you to tell me what are some of the disciplines that go into it. Okay. For your body, I'm going to guess that it's, most people think workout, that's that's lower on the list. Absolutely. It's going to be, there's going to be sleep matters yes. a lot. I'm going to guess water intake probably Absolutely. matters a lot. I'm going to guess your diet is freaky strict. Very. Like it would, like it would, people would not understand. Yes. I'm going to guess that there's, I'm going to guess there's probably some supplements that you would take. Um, Absolutely. Some nutrients that you're going to add. I'm going to guess that you probably would do something like I would do like a sauna as a regular part. All I would guess with you, um, you might be into cold, um, cold plunges. Cold, cold yeah. plunges. Yeah, love them. Uh, I'm going to guess that there might be seasons when you work out in one way and seasons when you change up your workout. Absolutely. I'm going to guess that you have some rest days. I'm going to guess that you have some days where you're sloppy in the gym and other days when you're ridiculously strategic and no it, would, it would freak people out. I'm going to guess that you probably track things. I'm going to guess you probably go to the doctor regularly, mm-hmm. get your blood checked, get hormones checked. And there's probably seven or eight things I haven't thought of. Yes. Correct. Yeah, but you're absolutely accurate on every single one of those. Yes, because I have studied and I know a little bit what goes into it. Let's take that same amount of detail and transfer it into disciplines that lead toward leadership. Mm-hmm. What are some of those things that like most people would say, Tim, show me your workout. And you're going, that's one of 19 things that I do to accomplish this. How can I lead like you, Tim? Do I need to go to a public speaking class? That's one of 19 things yeah. that you need to do. Can you talk about some of the disciplines that help you grow your influence that people would not necessarily think about. Yeah, I think it. Um, I've thought about this a, a lot in my life because leadership is a fascinating topic and it's a fascinating subject. And, and thinking through it and trying to practice it and trying to get better, the number one thing that I believe about leadership is it comes in all shapes and sizes, comes in all backgrounds, comes in all cultures. There is not one form of leadership, not one body type, not one speech pattern, not one. We look at history and there's leaders that have been big and small, leaders that have been had stuttering problems, leaders that have been able to give fantastic speeches, all forms of it. But one of the common themes that I see in so many of these great leaders is they have found a way to earn people's respect. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that too many times we miss now. We think it's better to be liked. Mm -hmm. We think, oh, if I'm a leader, I need everyone to like me. Mm -hmm. And I would say I've been there many times because the way I'm wired is that I'm a people pleaser Mm -hmm. and I want people to like me. But I had to learn, especially early on in college, that I can't, I can't live a life of longing for people to like me. Mm-hmm. And so I made a, a, a mindset switch and a heart posture switch to say, I'm going to choose to try to earn people's respect. Mm-hmm. And I was getting criticized more on a national stage. I remember going to my dad and I said, Dad, uh, if they just got to know me, 
<laughs> if they talked to me, they would like me. Mm-hmm. My dad said, you're right, Timmy, they would, because you're likable. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't want to like you. Mm-hmm. They won't even want to get to know you to like you. Right. And it was really eye-opening to me. And then I was reading a book by Winston Churchill at a time in his life when the majority of the world disliked him. The Allies thought he was losing the war for the Allies, and everyone on the opposite side, he was their enemy. So they hated him too. And Winston Churchill writes, if you have enemies good, it means you stood for something at least once in your life. And I remember thinking, how the heck is it good to have enemies? Mm -hmm. You know, like that was such a foreign concept. How could it be good to have enemies? But what I realized is, because of his principles and because he, what he believed and what he wanted to stand for, it was worth it to stand for those things even if he had enemies. Mm-hmm. Not that you wanted enemies, mm-hmm. but if you never stood for something, you're yep. probably not going to have enemies. Yep. But when you stand for something, especially when it matters, you're going to have enemies. Mm-hmm. But it's still worth it to stand for it. Yep. And that was a, a decision I, I had to try to, and it's not a natural one, but it was a, a choice I would have to make over and over again. And I would choose to start by saying, okay, I want to make the decision to try to earn my teammates' respect. Mm-hmm. And because I naturally want them to like me, mm-hmm. but that comes and goes right. with a social media post that someone doesn't like. That comes and goes with saying one thing that someone disagrees with. Yep. But when you earn respect, which is a lot harder to earn, you're all, it's also going to last a lot longer yep. than a like is. And I remember even to the point when I first got to Florida, my first week, trying to do, trying to be so aware of it to even do silly, sometimes stupid things. I remember our first Friday, we have a super hard leg workout and guys are laying on the ground, throwing up. It has a name for it, but I can't repeat that. <laughs> and uh, terrible leg workout. And we finish and all the coaches are like, all right, into the cold tub. Everybody got to get in seven minutes up to your hips. No negotiating. And everybody's negotiating seven and whining minutes. and saying, no, 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 we're not doing blah, blah, blah. There's no negotiating. Right. Everyone's going to do it. It's just bottom line. And so while everybody's arguing, I was like, man, this, this is an op- silly, but this is an opportunity to show that you're just a little bit different. Hmm. And I remember sliding right into the cold tub, and you only have to get in up to your hips. But I got in up to my neck, and I'm sitting there in the cold tub with, you know, I'm, it's awful, but with no look on my face. Mm-hmm. And everybody turns and looks at me, and they're like, you could hear kind of a pin drop, and they're like, oh. Dang, that's one crazy white boy, you know? And and they're kind of like and they're kind of like laughing. They're like, dang, he's kind of crazy. And that was okay. Yeah. Right? Because although it sounds silly, it, it was a way of of earning their respect. Of like, mm-hmm. dang, if he's willing to get in here, mm-hmm. when he only has to get into his hips, but he gets into mm-hmm. his neck, you know, when when we have to run stadiums mm-hmm. and he does a couple extra, when we're running sprints and, you know. He's there early when, when you know, yep. all these other things that add up to then in the, in the clutch moments, they, they know, hey, this dude's willing mm-hmm. to do whatever it takes. We can count on him. Yep. And, and, and I would say that type of, of respect, of earning, of being able to, to go into the hard moments, the hard times, I would say, embrace the grind, yep. embrace the suck, you know? Mm-hmm. And when they see that in you, that, oh, you're not a leader because you're a quarterback. You're not a leader because you're a five-star, right. you, you know? But 
when we do tug of war and, and, you know, as a freshman, the offense picked the defense, the offense picked me to go against the defensive lineman, you know, and it was going till you, you know, till you, you can't. And I, it was such an honor for them to pick me to, to be in this, be, but they did that because they believed that I wouldn't quit. Yeah. And so it goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I start pulling him and I go against the wall and they say, keep going. And the only place to go was a bathroom. And so I literally am pulling this guy into a bathroom. And, you know, it sounds silly, but that was one of those moments, though, where I honestly think that the respect for some of the guys, especially the older guys, mm-hmm. was like, I, this, isn't, this isn't just a, a quarterback. Right. This isn't just— This is a competitor. This is a competitor. Yep. This is our teammate. This is a guy we, this guy we the, want. This guy, and, he's yep. going to go to battle with you us. on my side. Yeah. Yep. And— and I would say that for me is this is a start of of long term leadership that lasts. Yep. Because I think there's a lot of forms of leadership, but I would rather talk about leadership that lasts mm-hmm. rather than because honestly, you want a good short term leadership, some form of trick or manipulation, mm-hmm. which we see all the time. Right. But leadership that lasts, there has to be some sort of respect that is earned, mm-hmm. that is is um, is chipped away in other people, especially when they're cynics or or like, hey, I don't really know about this. Well, you know what? You can chip away every day of earning that respect. I think it starts with so that. So imagine, like, let's say we're out to lunch and we've got um, we got a uh, a young high school principal who wants the teachers to like her and the students like her. Let's say we've got a. Um, a new person on the sales team and wants to be liked. And then let's say we've got a pastor that's dealing with a difficult employee right now and needs to have a hard conversation and wants to be liked. Yeah. What would you? What advice would you give to those people to help them get over their need to be liked? What is something they could do besides sit in uh, neck deep in a in a bucket of ice <laughs> well, that I, would I, uh, that would uh, that would build respect in a, in a leadership environment. I think one of the first things is go out of your way to serve them in a way that they don't think you would ever possibly do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it looks different in every situation, but if it's that, that, that teacher, then you go and you say, hey, what do you need? How can I help you? Do you have any students I can help with? You know, is there a difficult situation? Um, you know, for for me on teams, it could be like, you know, we have an off weekend and, you know, there's someone that they don't have a chance to see their family, mm-hmm. you know, get you, you want to come home with us, you know, mm-hmm. um, hey, can I, can I pick you up? Can I drive you? Can I take you here? You know, in little situations like mm-hmm. that, um, it would even be situations where maybe someone would get in trouble for something mm-hmm. and you wouldn't be the first one to go say something. You'd be the last one. It would never leave your lips. Mm-hmm. Because the goal is not to earn the favor of a coach. It's to earn the respect of a teammate. Mm. And there's a big mm-hmm. difference. Mm-hmm. And that's what would make me one of the last people mm-hmm. to ever say something. Yeah. You know what? You come talk to me, it's over. It's done. Yeah. You can trust me. So in it's sum- never going anywhere. Summary, your leadership's not about the focus being toward you. It's You're about, genuinely caring about your teammates. That's right. Finding, gen- finding mm-hmm. a way mm-hmm. to make their life better, to add value to their life, mm-hmm. whatever that is. And I think it's different in every situation, every circumstance, but how can you add value? Because when someone feels, sees, and knows that you're adding value, and then you're also not wanting anything— mm-hmm you're going to chip away at earning that respect right. from them. My guess is that some of your favorite coaches, you didn't always like, but you always respected. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And you want a leader like that, that you may, that if they're bringing the best down of you, sometimes they're hard on you. Yes. 
And sometimes they're going to tell you the truth you don't want to hear. That's exactly right. And that may mean, like, I don't really like you this moment, but I do respect you and I can receive from you. Mm-hmm. And, and if the goal is always to be liked, then it's hard to follow someone you don't necessarily and it's respect. Very, very hard, I think, to ever truly be your best mm-hmm. when you're always searching for that. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, one of the best offense coordinators I ever had was someone that when we would have a game mm-hmm. and it would be great, we'd kill a team and you would go 16 for 21, mm-hmm. 300 yards and a bunch of touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And then you hop in the film room, almost never would it be good job. Mm-hmm. It would be so out of those five incompletions, mm-hmm. three of them were your fault. Mm-hmm. And if we're playing Alabama, we're playing Oklahoma, we're playing Texas, that one might be a pick. Mm-hmm. And those two, we probably don't win the national championship. And sometimes that's hard to take. And you're like, man, I just wish we could celebrate this one. But at the same time, I loved it because it was like, okay, he's still painting the vision yep. of what the goal is. The goal is not to just beat that team we just beat. Mm -hmm. That's part of the goal. Mm -hmm. But the goal is at the end of the year to have confetti falling all over our team. Yep. Right? And to do that, I I have to to work in the moment, but I still have to remember the end picture, and that has to inspire me, right? Okay, it was a good day, but it wouldn't be good enough when this adversity is going to hit in the future. Mm -hmm. And... That is also something that I think, especially today, it's hard. Not everybody wants that feedback. And I do think we can do it in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be done in a positive way. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if we really want to be our best, then we're going to say, okay, I know I see that. And that's not just in sports. That's not just as a quarterback. That's in every of our life. We're continuing to to be driven to get better. It's one of my Favorite words in, in Hebrew is musar, to be musar-driven. Solomon uses it 30 times in Proverbs, and it's to instruction, correction, discipline, or teaching, you know? And so many times we think that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's a great thing, especially as a leader. It, you, we need to crave that from other leaders, from wise counsel. He who walks right. with wise and will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Mm-hmm. In a multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. Mm-hmm. We need to have that wise counsel that are pouring into us, that we're always looking, mm-hmm. saying, what did I miss? What did I do wrong? How can I get better? How can I prove? We need to long after instruction, discipline, and correction. You know, we never need to feel like I've got it. I've arrived. You know, in martial arts, what you do, like, you know, the white belt is a beginner belt. We always need to have the white belt mentality in the start. And I think so many times it's easy to say, oh, no, I've arrived. Mm -hmm. But then we're still missing the part and we're missing the example for so many other people. No, I need to be Musar driven. I need to seek instruction and I need to always have that white belt mentality. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to you about, uh, like, I'm assuming that you played on teams where some people may not like your beliefs, but they still respected you. You you earned their respect. And I think one of the reasons is because you're just a person of conviction, meaning like, if you stand for it, you're going to stand for it. You're not going to back down. I think we, we, we're we living in a world right now where sometimes leaders aren't always standing by their convictions. Does it start with clarity of conviction? Does it start with um, an unshakable will? What is it that That's helps someone be stand by consistent values when it's really easy to cave into pressure? Well, I think one thing that makes it hard is that every single one of us has fallen and we make mistakes. And so when you feel like I've made mistakes, mm-hmm. then it's really hard to stand up when you know that you've made those mm-hmm. mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so how can you show conviction when in the past I've made those mistakes? Yep, right. And that really Which we all do. Because we all do, yep. you know? And that's where I really tried to not stand in a way of saying, hey, 
I'm on a platform, it was stand in a way of saying, this is what I'm striving for. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference, right? Is to your teammates is, man, I'm so far from perfect. I mess up, but this is what I'm striving for. I'm striving to try to live a life of character. And that shows grace if someone else isn't there. I I think so. It's personal direction without judgment of someone else. That's right. It's personal direction of of a place that I haven't gotten to yet, but I'm striving for it. And, you know, I'd love to have you on the journey where we can, you know, inspire each other and push each other on this journey. So, brilliant. For, le- for leaders, this is that's so important, is that we're on this journey. That's right. And any time that, we, as a leader, we act like we have it all together, we actually lose we respect don't. to people. Absolutely. And we don't. And we're, we're all incredibly insecure. We always know that we don't know enough. Yes. And so I think that's a great tr- transferable principle in leadership is that this is the type of leader that we want to aspire to be. Yes. And that way, we're not saying I am the. If we if we set ourselves up to have already been it, mm-hmm. at some point we're going we're going to let someone down. Yeah, I want to hear just a little bit about from your perspective too, because you have you're unapologetically bold about your faith. And one of the things I love about this podcast community is we've got people from all different backgrounds and all different varieties of spiritual beliefs, and some with none. But you, in a very, in my opinion, very both simultaneously bold and yet kind of compassionate, unapologetic and yet not weird, not offensive, have been a strong witness for your faith. What advice would you have for a business leader, someone who's an athlete, someone who uh, is on television that has strong spiritual convictions to be a witness without being an offensive jerk? Yeah, well— Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, means a lot. I think um, as a follower of Jesus, he is our example. He is the example. And when you look at the life of Jesus, you see someone that never looked past people, but he saw everyone. Mm-hmm. And he was never better. He never just sought the rich people or the famous people. He saw the the beaten and the hurting mm-hmm. and those that needed help. Mm-hmm. And I think when we live a life that we see those people mm-hmm. and we have real compassion, mm-hmm. not pity. There's a difference. Right. We see a lot of pity. Mm-hmm. Pity says, oh, I hope you feel better. Compassion says, I'm going to get down right in the suck with you. Mm-hmm. You know, compassion mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. what Jesus had, mm-hmm. um, you know, to the leper when— Mm-hmm. He, no one else would touch the leper. No one would get close to the leper. Mm-hmm. And he reaches out and touches him and then says, be cleansed. Mm-hmm. And then the leprosy left him, mm-hmm. you know, as he would go touch the people that others were unwilling to touch. Mm-hmm. It's when we live a life where we choose people's best interests and we act on their behalf and we love them first and foremost. And we're there for people mm-hmm. that we realize that every single person was created in love, by love and for mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. And that every single one of us is worthy of what Jesus did on the cross. Mm-hmm. And that every single person is is made in the image of God. They're fearfully and wonderfully made mm-hmm. Fearfully just meaning awesome and wonderfully means unique and set apart. That every single person is awesome, unique and set apart. Like every single person is 
so freaking special in the way God made them. Then when we see them that way, we treat them that way. And then after all that, when we treat them that way, then when we get the chance to talk, if then I get to share my faith and, Mm -hmm. you know, and I love the quote, every day we share the gospel, but every now and then we use words, Mm -hmm. you know, when it starts by the, the, the grace and the love and the value that we have for humanity, all of humanity, whether we like them or not, whether we have things in common or not, they don't have to be the same. Mm -hmm. You don't have to love people that you just, that you like, Mm -hmm. right? Like comes from things in common and things. Love is a choice. The greatest form is love is a choice. Mm -hmm. And every single day we get to make that choice Mm -hmm. for humanity, for people that we come in contact with. Every single one of us get to to make that choice for the people that we work with, for the people that we're trying to to influence or lead. We get to choose their best interests and we get to act on their behalf. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe when people genuinely see that you chose their best interests, that you love them, that you care for them, that... That yes, you believe something, mm-hmm. but first and foremost, you love them. Mm-hmm. And if you really believe what the gospel has to say, that you will be willing to also at the right time share it, because if not, mm-hmm. it's the most selfish thing you could do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's something that that I've done, I think, honestly, very poor at times, and maybe a few times I've done right. Mm-hmm. But it's when you really get to talk saying, you know, in what I believe, the most loving thing I can do is tell you about a Savior that mm-hmm. that loves me and that loves you and went on a rescue mission for us. And honestly, it would be selfish of me to never tell you. So I just want you to know about what I think is the greatest gift in humanity is the Savior that loves us. And I just want you to know that that I love you. More importantly, God loves you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I, I just... I don't think that's a message that is offensive. Mm -hmm. That is a message that is inclusive to everyone because it's what the angel said. It's the good news of great joy that should be for all the people. And you know, I think it's also our responsibility to love them Mm -hmm. and tell them. Yeah, done well, the gospel message is very inclusive. Yes. And uh, sometimes people say Christianity is exclusive, and, you know, it's, it's not. It's, it's not. Um, I want to I talk about your book, and then I, wanna, I just want to compliment your leadership. Your book, Mission Possible, Go Create a Life That Counts. In it, you get— you talk about failures, you talk about purpose, you really, you're helping bring the best out of people. And, and you told a story about your dad and about seeing him— rescuing somebody out of a horrible situation. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, it's, it's um, why my dad's my biggest hero and role model. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, I guess, a little bit, around a decade ago, I got a call from my dad who was um, preaching at an underground pastor's conference in a country where faith isn't allowed. And um, so he's teaching these pastors underground. And because they're underground, they um, some people came in with some young girls and they started to auction them off. They were for sale, and he sees this, mm. and he's so tr- startled, troubled, and hurt seeing these girls, seeing also knowing what is if other people get a hold of them, what they're gonna do to these young girls. And my dad just—he's not someone that can just stand by and do nothing. And so he takes out all the money in his wallet, which was twelve hundred fifty dollars, mm-hmm. and he purchases all four of these girls to help set them free. And he calls me and he said, hey, Tim, you know, hey, Dad, how's the trip going? He's like, uh, it's pretty good. I was like, what's going on? He said, uh, I just bought four girls. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. What? what are you talking yeah, about? That's just not legal. Is it? Four yeah. girls. And he tells me the story. And I knew that day, I knew that God had called me 
to a new thing as well mm-hmm. and to a new fight and to what, honestly, I believe is one of the greatest evils in the world today. Is that what led to the Tim Tebow Foundation? It, it, it didn't. We were already up and running, okay. and that was something that happened when I was 15, but that really opened our eyes mm-hmm. to adding on and jumping into this fight against human trafficking mm-hmm. and online sexual exploitation of children. And uh, we really do think it's one of the greatest evils in the world. I mean, over 40.3 million people that are trapped in this um, horrible evil. And I, I'm just so grateful of my dad and his willingness. That's not why he was there. But when God opened his eyes, mm-hmm. he couldn't say no. He said mm-hmm. yes. And you know what? So I, I knew I had to say yes. And so we fly there and uh, we they hid in a church for the first few nights and we built the fastest safe home mm-hmm. um, maybe ever. Mm-hmm. So these girls would have a place to stay. But I knew, so I, I fly there and I think, you know what? This is, you know, um, this was like taken with Liam Neeson or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you find out that the majority of these girls were sold by their family. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one of them didn't make enough money one day. When she comes home, her mom's in such a bad place and so upset that she just takes her and boils out her eye. Mm-hmm. And the stories in which they come from are so hard, hard to understand. And then you get to the place where you think, how do I tell this young girl what, what love is? Mm-hmm when the people that are supposed to love her were the first ones to rape her? Mm-hmm. How do you tell someone mm-hmm. what a heavenly father's like when her dad did these things to her? Mm-hmm. And it really was hard for me to take me on a, a journey of trying to grow in that. Mm-hmm. But I knew that God opened my eyes to a new calling and I had to step in to this terrible evil and step up and stand up for these boys and girls that are being abused all over the world. Mm-hmm. And and it started because my dad said yes that day and mm-hmm. he helped open my eyes. But you know what was disheartening about that story? Is at that table my dad was at, mm-hmm. it was a room full of pastors that were sitting there. Mm-hmm. And every one of them had their reasons why they wouldn't be a part. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give, I don't want to put money into this trade, I, you know, blah, 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 blah. Their, their reasons. Mm-hmm. But say that to those four girls. Mm-hmm. And I just don't want to be one of those other people at the table. Mm-hmm. It's when God opens my eyes and he pricks my heart. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that I'm supposed to go. There's a place I can make a difference. Mm-hmm. I want to step up and I want to stand up and I want to be counted. and I want to make a difference. Because yep. I also believe every single one of us has a chance. Mm-hmm. And that's what this, this book, Mission Possible, is all about. Is every single one of us has a mission and it is possible to live it out. Yep. And mission just means a job or a task that you've been given to do. 16th century Latin word that actually means to send. And I believe every single one of us has been sent here for a reason, not just by happenstance, not by accident, but on a mission. There is something that every single one of us can do. We can all make our lives count. Mm -hmm. Maybe that means you can impact 10 or 10 million, Mm -hmm. but your mission is valuable. Your mission is important. Your mission has worth. Your mission is a great mission Mm -hmm. assigned by the king of the universe. Let's say yes to that mission. I, uh, I don't promote books that I don't like, and I, I want to promote this book because you really, it's like your heart bleeds out to help people find that reason. And and what's interesting is, and it's great, people don't want to just have a job nowadays. They mm-hmm. really want to make a difference. They do. And what's interesting is like you weren't out looking for a mission. There was an opportunity you saw and you seized it. And there's a lot of times people, will, something's going to break their heart or going to disturb them. And it's easy to brush it off and keep going. Yes. But you didn't do that. Yeah. And I can only imagine one day coming back and hearing people that heard your story saying, it got to me and um, uh, someone's got to do something about this. 
Might as well be me. That's right. So for those of you at our uh, community looking for a resource, Mission Possible, I want you to get this. I want to just assess your leadership just as a student of leadership, and then I want to ask you some questions for fun. You you want you lead a team to two national championships. Like I'm going, okay, this guy, he's got something. Not just skills. There, there's a lot of good athletes, but there's something extra. You were homeschooled. We have six kids that were homeschooled. And so that was always really intrigued. I want to try to assess you, and I hope it doesn't. Please. Isn't, isn't, I love it. What I, here, I love it. Here's, Let's go. I here's, what, here's, what I, here's what I think sets you apart. I think um, community matters a lot. Good family. Not everybody has a good family, but you can find a good family, and we find good people around you. You've been around good people. You learned early on um, self-denial toward an end goal. Um, s- small disciplines compounding over time lead to a great life. Mm-hmm. You are willing to be extreme, weird, different, odd, unusual, stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you did, it wasn't to draw your attention to yourself. There was always a higher purpose. You always talk team. You know how to submit to authority. You've been under great coaching, and you know how to surround people around you. You're not trying to win the approval of a coach. You're often trying to rally a team. A great leader knows how to create team. When you talk, and I love it if people are listening, if they're watching, it's a different experience because you're like a full-on experience. There's a time where you're scaring me because you're nine feet tall and 265 pounds of pure muscle leaning across, ready to help me run through a wall, being so motivated. And there's other times you're fighting back the tears that are very genuine. You're, You're passionate about what you do. You're driven by conviction, but you care about people. And everything you do has a higher purpose. And I'm sure I'm missing some, and there's some nuances. There's more to it than that. But you take all those things together, and you come up with Tim Tebow. And not everybody has those things, but everybody might have one or two of those things. And what I like for people to do is look for their unique leadership DNA. Mm. What do you have? Some Mm. people are smarter. Some people are more expressive. Some people are more charismatic. Some people are stronger. Some people are more dependable. Some people are more creative. Some people are more fun to be around. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people are more motivating. Some people are just great at writing thank you notes. And what you try to do is you try to find your unique combination. I love that. That's so good. You do a lot of that in this book. You find your unique combination, and then you own it. You say, here's what it is, and I like to try to put words around it. And so I just wanted to try to put words around what I see in you. And that makes you have what I call a broad range of respectability. Even people who say, I'm not really into the Jesus thing, but dang, Tebow seemed like a good guy. <laughs> what they're saying is there's consistent convictions and there's 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 likability and there's love for people. And so for our leaders out there, find your zone, find your combination, and find those things that God uniquely put into you. And when you put them together and you embrace them, you can do special things. Mm-hmm. So for fun, lightning round, just for fun, let's, I love fi- it. let's fire off quickly. First of all, thank you so, so much for the, those kind words. I really well, appreciate I've, it. Like, tons of respect. Thank okay. you. Um, favorite leadership quote, do you have one? It would be what I said about Winston Churchill, if you have enemies, good. It means you stood for something at least once in your life. That, that would be one that I— it's a great quote. World. Yep. Uh, best leadership book or any book you've read recently? Um, I would say The Edge. Mm-hmm. The Edge is uh, it's written, about, I can't remember his name, it's written by a high school wrestling coach who won about 12 state championships okay. in a row. And he takes all of the top quotes, in his opinion, in history, and puts them together and shares his story interwoven um, throughout it. It's a good one. Thank you. It's I have not read it. That's next in, in line. Uh, favorite kind of music to work out to? 
the most important question. Does it matter? But it would be most of the time country Christian. Um, I, I'm so weird. It, I don't need the I don't need the hype. I don't need the loud music. I can have Frank Sinatra, it, Michael Bublé. Is there such whatever. thing? Is theologically is there such thing as Christian country? Probably. Okay, I just wondering. I just, just wondering. <laughs> Probably. Okay. Okay. Proudest moment in your life that we may not expect. A couple weeks ago, my wife was um, in a remote country, and um, she was at one of our safe homes, hmm. and um, there was a photo taken by one of our team members walking with her and another girl who had been raped from the time she was nine till she was fifteen, hmm. and my wife has her arm around. Um, this young girl who now knows the Lord, loves the Lord, and is doing so good. And um, I, um, I, I just thought, man, that's a pretty cool picture. Hmm. I had some more fun and funny ones, but after that one, I no, think let's I, go. I, let's I, get I, the funny ones. I'll kind of let a land in that. That's pretty special. Um, you've been married for how long? Just over two years. Favorite thing about your wife? Her heart, her passion, her drive to pursue her purpose, that's just um, so great. And I would say more than anything is that she's not someone that I can live with. I think she's someone that I can't live without. Oh, man. And all the women out there go, oh, <laughs> Timmy, give me a man like You know, that's Jesus. honestly probably one of the best pieces of advice my dad told us. He was like, listen, don't find someone that you can live with. Uh-huh. Make sure she's someone you can't live without. There you go. And I said that. And then uh, in the same line of being serious, the uh, thing that you do that drives her, uh, that makes her miserable. Leave cans. Leave um, cans. Zevia, LaCroix. Um, I'm watching the games and I'll have like 15 LaCroix on the couch <laughs> and she'll want to come pick them up. And I'll be like, can we just wait till the end of the game and I'll pick up all the cans? <laughs> and she's like, well, it's a commercial. I- I know, but it's going to be back, you know? <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not horrible. We it's not horrible. Back. She yeah. also hates it that I bite my nails, too. Yeah, that would be kind of gross, especially yeah. if it's your toenails. No, yeah. yeah, I'm not that flexible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the uh, biggest thing when it's all said and done, how do you want people to remember Tim Tebow? I think it's that I cared. Mm-hmm. I cared about Jesus, that I cared about them. Yep. And I cared about um, the opportunities and the chances that I was someone that was so fallen and um, messed up, but just wanted to get up and help as many people as possible. And I think there's a big difference between um, inheritance and legacy. Hmm. I think inheritance is what we leave. I think legacy is who we leave it in. Hmm. I would much rather leave a legacy and a lot of people that I had the chance to love and help and serve along the way and not just stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you're succeeding in that. It's it's obvious that you do care, and um, I just compliment who you are and what you stand for. And you're a um, you're a great leader and a, a leader that is fun to look up to. So, thanks, thanks for your example. And you. next time you're in town, what are we going to do together? We're working out at we're your gym. We're throwing down your new gym to Christian country. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Tim, thanks. I man. love it. Thank okay. you, brother. Appreciate it. Y'all see those triceps? Well, I told you, this guy is on fire and has so much leadership wisdom. And if you want to learn more about Tim, or maybe even you want to help him in his fight against human trafficking, go to timtebow.com. Don't forget his new book, Mission Possible, 
Go create a life that counts. For those of you that are new with us, we release a new teaching on the first Thursday of every month. Can't wait to share content with you on the first Thursday of next month. And occasionally we drop bonus episodes. Again, I want to encourage you, get the leader guide. So much valuable information. Go to life.church slash leadership podcast. Also, a big thank you to those of you who are spreading the word on social media, inviting others to be a part of our community. Uh, If you do that, tag me or tag Tim and we may repost you. If you have a moment and you have time to rate or review the content wherever you consume it, that actually helps give us more exposure. I'll work hard to bring you content that helps add value to your leadership and you can do that favor for me. Hey, keep pushing it. Keep investing in your own leadership. Why? Because we know that everyone wins when the leader gets better.